This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is the last day of summer in 2021, and Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores is ready for your snowblower order. Oh. <laughs> They bring you Garage Logic Podcast number 698. What's today? The 21st? So tomorrow's the Atomic Do you remember? Yeah. 94 degrees was the high on this day in 1937. 21st night of September. And 32 was the low in 1974. 74 was a very chilly year. So So there you go. Do you remember? I do remember. Okay. John asked your question. Badia. 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 On the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. We are fortunate enough to be joined in a few minutes by Don Samuels who was a Minneapolis City Council member from uh, 03 to 2014, and he and his wife Sandra and a, uh, a businessman friend of theirs named Bruce Dacus uh, have done the Lord's work suing the city, uh, attempting to get that public safety question on the ballot more transparent. And uh, it's not as transparent as Don would have liked, but I think they went a long way in alerting the public just what might be the situation with this thing. And uh, I didn't know Don was from Jamaica. He came here in 1970. Had a long, successful career in the toy industry as a designer. And then uh, his credentials are impeccable uh, when it comes to his involvement in his North Minneapolis neighborhood. And uh, he began uh, becoming very prominent in the news in August as they said, hold up, wait a minute. Something ain't right here with this ballot question. And they did everything possible that they could do. Uh, That ballot question, of course, is on the ballot. Early voting has begun. And as I say, it's not it's not what he would have preferred, but uh, it it made a big dent in what was taking place. It made a big dent and alerted people to the challenges they face when they're in the polling place. Mm-hmm. What happened? We had to leave him a message? Yeah, I had to leave him a message. He might have been on another call, but uh, I will I try see. him again briefly. I see. Uh, three Minneapolis residents, including a couple who last year sued over the city's police staffing levels, brought a lawsuit Monday. This is a, this is deadline, datelined August 30 of this summer. Brought a lawsuit Monday to have ballot language for a key public safety proposal tossed out. We've been through this all through the month of September, ever since this developed. Uh, because uh, their attorney, Joe Anthony, said voters need to understand that outcome and timeline. The current ballot question hides information. This must be corrected. Uh, and it was the second time in a month that Minneapolis was sued over how, to, how it chose to ask voters whether they wanted to clear the way for city officials to replace the police department. 
with a new public safety agency. And as we've discussed, that proposal was written by Yes for Minneapolis, an outside group mostly. I really uh, hope we get, I hope Don gets your message because I really want to, I would love his take on what he thinks this is really all about. It would be interesting because the, the continued push, and like we discussed yesterday, even if it is voted down, this isn't going to go away. Mm-hmm. They're going to they're going to keep proposing this until they get their way. We have something else coming up for you today that I find hilarious, and that's uh, the the mayor of San Francisco is a woman named London Breed. <laughs> she gave a an otter answer to a question about why she wasn't <laughs> wearing a mask. Uh, ottering, we're going to call that ottering. Where we a word of the lexicon? Where, where Otter, Otter uh, goes in front of the dean and says, we're not going to let you badmouth the United States of America, completely <laughs> taking the whole thing away from the question. Andrew Como, I think, was our first Otterer. And, uh, but otter, her, Otter. Our, she was our, he was our first Otterer. This, this woman takes the cake, though. It's a beauty, really, here. When she was asked, well, you're violating San Francisco's indoor mask mandate. And the her, mandate you came up with. Yeah, it's pretty good. And, and uh, it's funny as heck. Hi, Joe Don. Sushere, here's Don Samuels. Hi, Don. Hi, Joe. Hey, thank oh, you yeah. and your wife and Bruce Dacus. Am I pronouncing his name correctly, Bruce Dacus? Dacus. Dacus, for uh, doing the Lord's work. You, uh, It's not what you want, but you got closer, didn't you, for the, to that yeah, ballot question? Closer, yeah, we got closer. We're grateful for that. What do you think, Don, is behind Yes for Minneapolis, which essentially is funded outside the state. Do you think think there's something more nefarious going on here than meets the eye? Well, you know, I think that I'm not sure. I'm not sure. um, It seems to be a a hodgepodge collection of people Mm -hmm. just based on the uh, multi-explanations of what they want and what things mean, mm-hmm. uh, um, and that carries over into the city council also. It, it does not seem to be a tightly coordinated um, philosophy, at least, mm-hmm. uh, philosophically. But but there seems to be a core there somewhere of um, a value or mission that um, is uh, that has a nucleus um, somewhere that's not fully defined, mm-hmm. um, that has an idealistic view of the future. I think so. Uh, um, you could almost call it utopian view of the future that um, has a certain disregard for reality and um, is determined to create, to recreate society in a way. And um, at least as far as police uh, and community is concerned. And um, the seeds of that could be seen prior to the the previous election of this council, where um, I think four of them signed a, a document in order to be endorsed by this group mm-hmm. um, that where they said that they could see a day when Minneapolis would not have police. What was, if, you what, if you didn't sign it, you couldn't get their endorsement. What was the reaction of you and your wife when when you uh, realized that there was actually a movement to defund the police department? Well, you know there is there is um, the word horrified comes to mind, okay. but that's 
that's not um, exactly correct because RFI suggests sort of a emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. We did have that, mm-hmm. but but it was a very very pragmatic, um, experience-driven reaction. Mm-hmm. We understood that um, that uh, having lived in the community for twenty-five years that the collection of uh, resources and efforts, the network of collection of resources and efforts that um, that contribute to the stability of our community was complex and um, and, and 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 they all had to be working um, simultaneously and in, in a coordinated fashion. So, for instance, you had you had the slumlords and the slum properties mm-hmm. with unsupervised um, um, tenants, many of whom were young women with uh, who with boyfriends or that they acquired mostly during their residency in this property, mm-hmm. and the the boyfriend would be on the other side of the law and pretty soon he took over her life and her place and even her drug habit Mm -hmm. and made her into a drug, uh, drug addict and he owns the place and it becomes a drug house, Mm -hmm. you know, that things like that. Mm -hmm. And so then as you become a seasoned neighbor in these communities, you start to see these patterns. And so you start to react quickly. You see, you know the landlord who is not responsible. You know the houses he owns. You see a little activity there. You begin to do what you can to interact with the the young woman when she moves in. And so, for instance, in our street, we would bring a um, uh, uh, um, a wagon. What do you call that? Welcome wagon. Yep. And it had uh, in there a page with our community standards, which we developed with all our neighbors. And we tell this person, you know, you have children, we have children, we want them to be safe. And so we came up with these um, these rules. And so, you know, we look out for each other, we're going to look out for your child. And if we see any drug dealing or any crime, we call each other and we don't tolerate it because we want our kids to be safe. So you're sending a message and you're welcoming the person, right? The yeah. little things like that. That seems like so random, but it it was well thought out as this is how we have to do it so that when we see an activity, we can intervene with the landlord, with the tenant, and say, hey, you know, remember we talked, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. These, these, these are strategies we develop, Picket, picketing, calling landlords, working together, having phone trees, talking to each other, having a relationship with a precinct commander, um, patrols, um, and having a relationship hopefully with the mayor. And, um, and, and it was out of that kind of um, connectivity that I was asked by my neighbors to run for office and went to the council. So I understand the community, um, the community connectivity necessary to keep the peace and the connectivity to each other and to downtown, to City Hall, and the police. So when I, and, and when I saw the city council standing on the podium and announcing that they're going to defund the police, 
this in, this entire huge chunk of the system um, of interconnectivity that we relied on. Right. This this sense that you know there was law and there was order, and we were the culture part of it. We were connected to that, and and um, and and pretty much the guys on the street understood their boundaries. You know, I can't do this here, I can't do that there, because somebody's going to call a landlord or, you know, call the police. Or, well, the, the boundaries you know, have disappeared. The boundaries have disappeared, haven't boundaries they? Boundaries are gone. Yeah. You know, the, at least, I mean, we depended on the police to confront the guy next door. You mm-hmm. understand? Mm-hmm. Because we knew that we could call 911. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and so there was a, this sense that the police are not perfect, don't get me wrong. Right. And they, they did, uh, there were some guys in there that did a lot of bad things. But we, we, we in order for us to function as interrupters, um, we depended on the knowledge that the police were a reliable um, place where the buck stopped. Why are the and boundaries gone? Don, why are that's the boundaries gone? gone? That's gone. Why are the boundaries gone? What happened? Well, they, they, they went for several reasons. Because of the preponderance of crime come, erupting out of the George Floyd uh, um, situation and the COVID situation. Right, right after the riots, um, uh, the, the police got depleted. Um, there were a lot of cops out on sick leave. But also the criminal community emerged sort of together in a wave. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was as if you can imagine each guy on the other side of the law or woman doing an occasional crime and going back undercover mm-hmm. or doing an occasional crime, but normally is a decent person or whatever. But it's as if now... A, a, a big wave lifted up uh, um, uh, uh, a, a lot of those people together in a consensus of, of criminality, simultaneous criminality. And, and so it tested the police in a way that it had never been before. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, at Merwin Liquor on Broadway near, uh, near um, 94, yep. uh, around Bryant, Avenue there, uh, Lindale. Um, the day after the riot, it was announced on face, uh, social media that there was going to be a basically a flea market there for the goods stolen from Target and other stores. It was announced, mm-hmm. and 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 that parking lot became a busy, over. Uh, I mean, you couldn't get in. There was a waiting line. To get through there, and it was the sale and use of drugs, the sale of uh, the activity, uh, criminal activity taking place there, and then of course the sale and use of the uh, uh, of the stolen items, and and the the pol- no given given the, uh, the the retreat from the third precinct, uh, it, yeah, it was the day after the third precinct. Mm-hmm. Given the retreat from the third precinct. And that kind of psychological um, twist that happened. It was a a point of where defiance was successful. We came up against the 
place where the buck stopped and the buck did not stop mm-hmm. and 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 it was as if something broke and and the criminal community understood that if you had sufficient numbers and you could congregate you could actually um, overwhelm the police and they would retreat you're a and long so, way you're a long way from a 30 year career in the toy industry aren't you a long <laughs> I, I can't. I don't even remember what I did. <laughs> Why did you uh, end your city council tenure in 2014? Was it to have a mayor uh, run for mayor? Yeah, I ran the mayor, and you know, interestingly, I ran ran on two platforms. One was um, uh, main main platforms. One was, the first one was public safety, mm-hmm. and because that was not a big issue then for people, um, you know, it wasn't the romantic thing that got the attention. But I saw that unless we fixed that whole public safety issue, that our city was going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. And, and, and um, you know, I just was out of step with the times, I guess. Do you fear but, for the future of the city? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do fear for the future because I've seen so many cities um, across the country that had riots in the 60s mm-hmm. that never recovered in, in certain areas. And in fact, West Broadway and Plymouth Avenue, which were the, uh, West Broadway was the number one commercial corridor outside of downtown. And Plymouth Avenue was not far behind because that was the Jewish commercial street. Mm-hmm. And so those now Plymouth Avenue is a tame street with maybe two pieces of commercial property. And West Broadway has all these storefronts that are totally underutilized and underexploited by commerce, and you know a lot of nonprofits, and um, and the streets. Uh, the street is uh, is a dangerous place in many ways. You have and chosen so, to remain in your neighborhood all these years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I came here in 1970, mm-hmm. and, and and as an immigrant from Jamaica, every. Jo- from Jamaica. Yep. Every job I held after college, I was the first African-American or first black person. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I walked into doors that other people had opened before me. And I, so I, I gathered over time a deep sense of gratitude and appreciation. Uh, and I made a commitment actually from college that I was always going to live in a uh, Af- uh, um, a minority um, African-American community, low income, mm-hmm. because I felt that's, that's where I could make the biggest difference mm-hmm. and return the favor for all those who sacrificed before me. So it was, it's a very deliberate action, and, you know, I've paid the price. I haven't made money on real estate. Mm-hmm. I've sold houses for less than I bought them for because <laughs> I've moved across the country to six states. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, but I, I think, you know, I mean, what is, what is the money? I mean, I, I now have a kind of life that, uh, 50 years ago, maybe 1% of African Americans had. Mm -hmm. And so, um, this is the best place I can be to express that gratitude and to pass it along. And I'm just fortunate to have a wife who agreed to that lifestyle and um, and moving into North Minneapolis, into this Jordan neighborhood, 
um, together. We were able to do much more together than either of us could have done apart. And uh, it changed our lives. And we were able to make a fairly significant contribution. So um, I feel good about it. We wouldn't live anywhere else. Do you have children? We've raised three girls here. And how have they fared in life? Well, they they're in um, they they went off to college. Mm-hmm. Um, our, uh, one of our daughters um, is adopted, the, the eldest, and uh, she left college and became a model and a very successful model all over the world. But uh, she's now trying to have the post model life and and uh, enhance her education. Mm-hmm. And um, and then our other two girls went off to college and. Um, one is um, taking an alternative uh, online type program. She's a graphic designer. And the other one is still at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. But but their lives would have been easier, definitely smoother. They would have had lifetime friends. They had no friends on our street. Our street is dominated by rentals, and renters move on average every 11 months. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they have no lifetime friendships in the community. And, um, you know, the dangers, they, they went to, they probably went to 30 vigils with us. Good know? Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, and they, have, they paid a price for that. <clears throat> would you, and, would uh, you ever consider also, running for mayor again? Um, well, you know, <clears throat> I'm 74. Okay. <laughs> so... There's so what? Biden's about ninety-eight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, um, so I I have to think about that. But yeah. um, um, but I I did, you know, I do feel that we have accumulated a lot of savvy around what our community works from the from the grassroots, mm-hmm. and and um, it's 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 kind of discouraging to see that uh, we have a city council. Who would consider, you know, uh, me and us, who are really at, at where the rubber meets the road, um, to be sort of old-fashioned and mm-hmm. no longer relevant to consult with, or or to um, or to hear from? And uh, in fact, my council member told me that. Um, um, I shouldn't worry about it. In 15 years, I'm going to thank him. Is that Jeremiah? Yeah. yeah. In 15 years, I'm going to thank him yeah, for listen. the decision he's making. In other words, you know, I'm not going to listen to anything you have to say. We're going to make a decision here, and you'll thank me in the future. So, Well, they're making dreadful decisions. Dreadful. Yeah, I, I do believe that. Mm-hmm. You know, this thing is so difficult. You, you make decisions, and you think, out of good heart and intent, next thing you know, all of these rip, um, unintended consequences come behind to bite you mm-hmm. because we are in a deep, deep system, died in the world system of inequity. Mm-hmm. And inequity isn't going to die off like that. It's an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And, and the ecosystem comes back at you when you try to change anything. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and, and so um, to think that changing a one thing is going to change everything. It's a pipe dream. And um, so much of this dysfunction of our police department and our community uh, are generational. 
died in the wall, very American, tied to ancient injustices and, um, and to patterns of, of, of our lives. So, for instance, you can build a school here in North Minneapolis, graduate 100% of your kids, and have the attitude that, you know, this is a dangerous community, we're going to graduate you, and we're going to get you out of here. Mm-hmm. And so while you're helping this, these, uh, say, 100 children a year, you're also sending the message that this community is entirely unacceptable, undesirable, and it's a place to be escaped from. Mm-hmm. And, and so <laughs> in, in helping the kids, you hurt the community. Right. Because they're gone. They're not coming back. And, and in fact, most of the solutions we've come up with have involved that element where people succeed and thrive and leave. And so while the people become gentrified, the community becomes, continues to be um, inadequate in, in so many ways. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you again uh, for those lawsuits. I, I think you went yeah. as far as you could. I have a feeling. Yeah, well, I have know, a feeling. I know how you're going to vote on that ballot question. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're for both ends. Yeah. You know, both. Uh, right. Right. Police department with sufficient uh, members to keep us safe, and um, a lot of the uh, components that the uh, the other group is is um, or groups are advocating, like social workers and and um, changing some policies. But um, if we don't do it carefully, we'll do more harm to achieve less good. I can't thank you enough, sir. Let's uh, stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I enjoyed spending the time with you. All right. Thank you, Don Samuels. Who, uh, Take care. Thank you. Who, along with his wife and Bruce Dotches, filed the lawsuits that, that kept hope alive for Man. more clarity on the ballot question. Say... What do you got? Well, I got new news about Grunhoffers. Please stop talking about quarter sides of beef. They have sold out to GLers. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Spencer. Okay, well, soup season is approaching, and Grunhoffers Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo and Forest Lake have a wide selection of the best soup meats. Don't forget about Grunhoffers Meatloaf, the original town ball in the Minnesotan. Football season, of course, is brat season, so you can enhance your Enhance your tailgate and football parties with Grunhofer's world-famous brats, over 139 flavors. Wow. If you're looking for a great gig and want to work for a great businessman, uh, Spencer will be more than happy to talk to you. Uh, We're talking about the original Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. That's on Highway 61, just north of Hugo. And then the newer location, the newest location, on Highway 97 in Forest Lake, just uh, east of 35E, not long, a hop, skip, and a jump. It's uh, it's the best. The GLers have discovered it, and uh, they will continue to make it their go-to place for all their meat needs. It's a meat emporium. Mm-hmm. Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here once again for Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. And as you've been hearing over the course of the last couple of months, Josh asks you one simple question, and that's always, do you know what you own? You see, Josh's clients, they always know what they own. And Josh has found that most people that he meets with every single day, well, they don't. They absolutely have no idea. Josh has also seen retirement portfolios that have a big percentage in bonds. And there are real instances of people paying more in commissions and fees than they can possibly make 
on the rate of return that those bonds currently yield. So Josh begs of you, know what you own. And you'll hear from Mr. Money Talk later today here in Garage Logic to give you a specialized report on the goings-on in the market today. Trust is often overused, and it's even harder to find. Please, you can take it from me that you can trust Josh. So give him a call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation, and you do so by calling 952-925-5608. Once again, that's 952-925-5608 for Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Souchere. Boy, we're in a polling kind of mood, aren't we? Yes, we are. Really? Today we've got COVID polling in the Star Tribune. I think it's a Minnesota poll. It's uh, done by Star Tribune, NPR, Carol Evans, Frontline. It's a Minnesota mm-hmm. poll. Uh, thinking about restrictions that were put in place in your area to prevent the coronavirus from spreading, do you think that these restrictions have gone too far, didn't go far enough, or were about right? And 60-some percent, I'm sorry, 43% say about right. Okay. Have you personally received at least one dose of a coronavirus vaccine? Yes, 80%. Wow. Yeah. That's a big number. How confident are you that the coronavirus vaccines will protect you against new variants of the virus? Are you very confident, somewhat confident, not too confident, or not at all confident. And the leading uh, percentage is 41% are somewhat confident. 31% are very confident. 13% are not at all confident. Do you support or oppose requiring people in your community to be vaccinated in order to attend crowded events such as concerts, sporting events, or movies? 49% support such a measure. 45% oppose. Pretty even. Do you support or oppose requiring people in your community to be vaccinated in order to go out to a bar or restaurant? 44% uh, support that, 50% oppose that. Do you support or oppose requiring people in your community to be vaccinated in order to return to their workplace? 43% support that, but 49% oppose that. So there you have it. We're uh, we're, uh, that typical uh, Minnesota... uh, about halfway down the middle all the time, huh? You mean a tad bit divided? <laughs> yeah. Got it. Now, out in Frisco, the mayor of Frisco is a woman named uh, London Breed. Yes. And uh, she was at the Black Cat Club. Mm-hmm. And and uh, because a, a group was playing there, Tony, Tony, Tony. Tony, 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 Tone. Tony, Tony, Tone. Sure. And she was filmed, of course, not wearing a mask, dancing and Shaking her booty, as yes. they say, and uh, having a <laughs> wonderful time. <laughs> and uh, uh, and she, of course, was one of the first uh, cities to mandate the indoor mask. Uh, Where would you rate um, on your level of dysfunction the, the cities that are closest to the country's tallest buildings? Where would San Francisco rank on the old mayor's power rankings? Ahead of Minneapolis. You think they're up there? Yeah, I think they're up there. Yeah. You know, we had to go through this with Newsom. He had to apologize for dining in a restaurant with restrictions, but he didn't. You know, the the mask quite literally have become for the uh, for the rest of us, uh, the people on the third rail, the people on their own parallel rail, like p- political figures and celebrities. I mean, you you didn't see any people wearing masks at the Emmys. By the way, there was a great tweet when someone said, 
It was so nice of COVID to take the night off so the celebrities could uh, yeah. congratulate <laughs> themselves on Sunday. Well, this is, uh, we've discovered a peculiarity that we're, we're noticing more and more, and that's that these politicians are able to miraculously deflect these questions, end up talking about the damnedest things, and of course we likened it to otter speech in Animal House <laughs> when the dean is confronting them about the validity of their their uh, fraternity, and Otter turns it into a diatribe in which he uh, said, you're, you're questioning the whole educational system in America. And if you're doing that, aren't you questioning America itself? <laughs> We're not going to sit here and let you badmouth the United States of America. And the rumor erupts. So these people are ottering. Andrew Cuomo was ottered. And now here's, uh, here's London Breed. She's asked, uh, you know, the video was big news in Frisco, and she was asked, why didn't you wear your mask at the Black Cat Club? And I think it's sad that um, this is even a story. Um, the fact is um, there was something that was really um, monumental that occurred. And that is Tony, 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 the original <laughs> members, the brothers, Raphael Sadiq and Dwayne Wiggins, who have not performed in public for, I believe, at least over 20 years. They are just really... Um, some of the most incredible <laughs> artists in the history of this country and the Bay Area in particular. And the fact that that is getting lost here yeah. is very unfortunate. What about the man? Not to mention the incredible <laughs> trumpeter, Maurice Mobetta Brown, who is just phenomenal. These incredible musicians. The question was about the man. Huh? And who really uplifted the spirits of not just myself but all of the people who were there. And from my perspective, you know, I was there, I was eating and I was drinking and I was sitting with my friends and everyone who came in there was vaccinated. So the uh, fact that we have turned this into a story about being maskless, no, I'm not gonna sip and put my mask on, sip and put my mask on, sip and put my mask on, eat and put my mask on. But that's what you want people, While your I'm people to do. I'm and I'm drinking, I'm gonna keep my mask off. <laughs> And yes, in the end time, while we're drinking, like everyone else there, we were all having a good time. And again, all vaccinated. So the fact that this is even a story is sad. And it's sad because we're missing out on the fact that we have live performances. What the hell? We in San Francisco have done an incredible job around COVID. Yes, we have challenges. But this is now a distraction. It's your mandate. And I would hope that people would spend more time on enjoying San Francisco, of going to go see Maurice Mulbetta Brown, who's only going to be here for another week at the Black Cat, and make the stories about how incredible and talented these artists are. Job, and man. less about something that shouldn't even be a story <laughs> in the first place. Well, speaking of like live music returning, um, I guess there was also okay, that's returning for That's show. fantastic. Like, <laughs> it's here's what I learned. Mandate. Here's what I learned. I am to appreciate the return of Tony Tony Tone. Right. Correct. Forget the it, mask. No, I, you people didn't catch the great music that was going that down at the Black Cat. I, I want you guys to stop saying it wrong. It's Tony Tony Tony. 
That's how you pronounce it. That's what I did, and then Reavers corrected me. Wait a minute. Well, Reavers was wrong, then. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't didn't that somewhat sound like when you were in speech class in high school and you didn't really have a speech, so you just kept saying other things that you thought were related to it? Well, that's ottering. That's the otter. Otter. Ottering. Ottering. It's just fantastic the way these... It's just (laughs) amazing. So this is who we've turned oh. the countries, the cities with the country's tallest buildings. We have turned them over to to the likes of London Breed. Because <laughs> one of the songs they sing, John, is called "Yes, Sir." Tony, Tony, Tone, never leaving the girls alone. Yeah, well, right. Oh, so, oh, okay. Why have I heard of Raphael Sadiq? Because he's a wonderful R and B slash soul singer. Yeah, he's okay. he's got a solo career also. All right. Uh, they were a great band. I, I won't argue with her on that, but. But she didn't really get the point of the question there. Uh, oh. they, they have a song called My Ex-Girlfriend, which is incredibly wonderful. And a song called Anniversary that's incredibly Give wonderful. Give me your thoughts on this email. It's very brief, and I find it troubling. It's from Jeff in Brooklyn Park. I predict that people from all over the country will come here to cast a vote to reduce the number of police officers. They will come and live here on a temporary basis in the homes that belong to those who do live here. Oh, my. At the polling stations, those who actually live here will simply vouch for the visitors. Don't. Could that happen? Don't. I don't think so. That sounds like paranoia to me. But, But, John, there is so much suspicion and lack of trust in the voting process already. I don't. GY, though. Yeah, G.Y. I'm not disagreeing with you. Who's making that happen? But, John, we all know. Do you trust the voting process 100%? I do. Yeah. Well, not 100%, nothing 100%, but yes, I trust the voting process. Well, uh, if we can learn from Don Samuels, uh, when I said, what do you think this is behind this? He didn't get to the federalization of police, but he did said these people have a utopian ideal in mind. And you can see them... uh, doing whatever it would take to bring it about. These have been the most persistent people we've been dealing with in the city, in the, in mm-hmm. the country's tallest buildings. And I, I predict if they win here, then it's a domino effect. All big cities will fall to this so-called utopian ideal, which I don't think is utopian at all. It will be destructive and harmful. Uh, he used the word horrified. And I, mm-hmm. I have never looked at it uh, he put it all together. The police, it's an interconnectivity he was talking about, that you have to develop all these relationships with and including police for purposes of keeping people safe and getting to know people and keeping an eye on rental properties. And, and these, these malcontents in the city council, these malcontents in Yes for Minneapolis, they're not prepared to do that hard work. That's hard work. Samuels has been doing that hard work ever since he moved here. Yes, he has. Making mm-hmm. a conscious decision to live where he lives, which is why I asked him about his kids. I didn't know he had kids, and I'm, I'm uh, uh, su- not surprised at all to discover that they're all probably going to end up uh, uh, successful in life or have already, and they all went to college. And, and he said they never even got to make friends, lasting friends. What did he say? It was a 10-month turnaround, 11-month turnaround? 11-month turnaround. They went to 30 vigils. Unbelievable. Yeah. Really That's just unbelievable. I have another question. Why why were they called Tony, Tony, Tone when when none of them were named Tony? I don't know, I don't but have I, any idea. I, I find that a, a horrible interruption of my train of thought. <laughs> I better better get this out of the way too. What's that? Well the fact is, you know. 
Based off your description of a flock of 30 to 40 birds in your backyard, I can tell you with a lot of confidence that the birds you saw were most likely slate juncos and not juvenile crows. Slate juncos gather in large flocks that increase exponentially as they go south in the fall. It is fairly normal for us to see flocks of 100 or more in the Midwest, and the flux get into the thousands as they go further south and combine. Slate juncos look an awful lot like juvenile crows from a distance, but juvenile crows aren't going to gather in large flocks without adults around, uh, the, the, without adults around like the juncos do. This is a case. Excuse me. That was a terrible voice. You make yeah. attack. Wow. Good lord. Uh, this is. A, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. This is a case. Yes, I can. This is a case where knowing the behavior of the birds has allowed me to identify them without seeing them. Better luck in the future. Uh, and this is from the pitmaster. I've got a number of emails about birds uh, really? telling me that. Uh, listen, knucklehead, you you didn't see uh, baby crows. You well, how did you misidentify them when you had two, not one, but two bird watching books? I can't. I only could find my. One, I only found one book, and I have a child's edition too because there's bigger pictures and better color. <laughs> and I, that's the one I can't find. <laughs> You've all heard of supply chain issues. It's in the post every day. By the post, I mean news gathering institutions, uh, car dealers lacking the ability to to get the parts they need. Well, at EcoFund Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake, they had a reverse supply chain problem. 200 Bentelli e-bikes showed up that Tim didn't think were arriving until next spring. The spring of 22. And as he points out, this is great news if you're in the e-bike industry and you're in Phoenix. Right. This is tough news when you're in Minnesota. So there's a great deal on now, only through September 30th. In addition to 10% off their already low prices, you can save another $160 to $200 per bike. Get your free GL or T-shirt. Get the right fit on that bike, which you're experts at. Uh, EcoFund will even finance your bike with six months of no interest. This offer is good only through September 30th. Go to EcoFund Motorsports in Forest Lake while the selection is the best. Also, full line of Yamaha products, youth recreational equipment, scooters that turn urban errands into adventures, helmets, apparel, and service. Uh, but right now, what a deal. A supply chain problem in reverse. Tim's got all those new Bentelli e-bikes and uh, winter is fast approaching. Get your best deal now at EcoFund Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake on Highway 61. This is Patrick Ricey for the Canopy Group, and this is a time of year we love in Minnesota. The leaves are changing colors, the kids are back in school, and the apples are ready to be picked. So what do apples and insurance have in common? When it comes to getting an insurance quote, many people want an apple-to-apples comparison. We can't do that at Canopy. Here's why. The Canopy Group, we believe our clients deserve only the best insurance coverage for the best price. That's why we only offer our clients combined single-limit coverage. Many captive carriers, meaning they only have one option, offered split limit coverage. That means they can change what they pay you for a claim depending on how it fits. The type of coverage leaves you open to gaps and on the hook at claim time. This doesn't sound good to us and it isn't good for you. At the Canopy Group, we're often able to increase coverage from split limit to combined limit, single limit coverage and save clients money. If you want an apples to apples comparison, be prepared. The Canopy Group's apples are much bigger and better than the 
the competition. To make sure you're getting the best insurance, call 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. Are you returning to work, and have you checked out Centerpoint and Mendota Heights Commercial Office Park? It's where you and your employees work, where it's easier to work. It's an eight-building campus on rolling parkland and shade trees. It's in Mendota with easy access to the airport, easy access to highways 55, 62, 35, you name it, 694. It says free parking right outside your door. You're going to eliminate that downtown hassle right off the block, right off the bat. Free parking right outside your door, your own restroom, of course. They're all single story, so you're not waiting for elevators. Each office space is customizable, so you get exactly what you want. Each space has its own uh, air purification system in the buildings. Patios available for lunches on beautiful fall days that will be coming up. Uh, It's a really comfortable, comfortable, scenic place and uh, really avoids a lot of the hassles that you could run into in various downtown locations if you're looking to make that change. Uh, Find out more at Escape to Mendota. That's one word, escapetomendota.com. Here's our newsman, John Haidt. Uh, Thank you, Joe. Uh, Before I get into news, I'd like to answer Chris's earlier questions about how Tony, Tony, Tony Ah, got their name. Thank you. Uh, Each member of the group uh, that helped launch Rafael Sadiq's solo career has a slightly different recollection of how it came to be, but they all involve clowning a guy by calling him a Tony, Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony was a nickname I used to call a roommate of mine, Dwayne Wiggins said. We called him that because he thought he was the freshest slice of bread ever. (laughs) Uh, This comes from a spin article uh, called The 40 Greatest Band Names. And so they give a why it's great. Here's why they say this is a great name. The group's name is slick and clever, just like their music. And you can't deny the pure alliterative pleasure of saying Tony, Tony, Tony out loud, coupled with the knowledge that you're actually pronouncing three words the same that are all spelled differently with punctuation after each word. Huh. So there you go. That's that's true the Tony, because Tony, Tony, the Tony. last Tony <laughs> is spelled T-O-N-E with the, uh, with, uh, the with the little little deal. Thing. Perfect. Yeah, like the, the French thing above it there. The first one's a... Yeah, um, uh, first one's a Y, the second one's an I, the last one's an E with the uh, whatever. Whatever. whatever this is said. not interesting. Did all three of those get the foghorn, though, since they're not no, I don't care about this group. Well, one of them's conventional. Two, That's true. Well, the two, of them are, yeah. two of them are. Two of them are. That's true. Uh, in, now back to news. <laughs> How did 10,000 uh, Haitians get to the uh, <laughs> town in Texas, John? The well, average, a, you know, I'm glad you asked that. The average annual salary in Haiti, I looked it up, is $1,250 a year. Wow. They, um, who paid for this? But a lot of these Haitians, if you read the stories, they had moved somewhere else already and then tried to move to the U.S. Some but, of them came from South America. From right. I, I understand that. But why all of a sudden are there 10,000 yeah. people in a little tiny Texas town? The best was uh, Saki was asked about this, I believe, yesterday. Uh, why Unvaccinated, by the way. Yeah, why they don't yeah. have to have proof of vaccination to enter this country, yet anyone flying to this country legally to visit has to provide proof of vaccination. And she said... Well, it's because they don't plan on being here very long. Yeah, short-term stay. Crenshaw said, yeah, they're just here for a day trip. They could just say, we're here to see Tony, Tony, Tony. Right, and then they're fine. They don't have to wear a mask to the the Black Cat Club. What was it called? Black Cat in San Francisco. We're working our way to Frisco. We're just here to see London Breed. The mayor told us to come up and see Tony, Tony, Tony. Mm -hmm. Hey, haven't performed in 21 years. Come on. Come on. That's the story. 
In news, a 29-year-old Fridley woman has been found guilty for her involvement in the New Year's Eve 2019 killing of Monique Bao, a Minneapolis mother and real estate agent. On Monday, the jury found Elsa Segura guilty on all counts in connection to the murder. Her conviction on various charges carries a sentence of life in prison without the possibility of release. Her sentencing is set for November 9th. Two others were charged and sentenced for the murder of Bao. Cedric Berry was found guilty on three counts, kidnapping, first-degree attempted murder, and first-degree murder. He was given a life sentence in July based on the conviction of the first-degree murder charge, as well as 33 additional years for another two convictions. Barry Davis was given the same sentence on July 12th. Segura had worked for the Hennepin County Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation from June 2014 to 2019, most recently as a probation officer. Mm. Barry Davis later shot Bao's boyfriend multiple times, kidnapped Bao from the Maplewood home before fatally shooting her and leaving her in an alleyway in Minneapolis. We do know now that the four people found in an SUV in a Wisconsin cornfield last week were shot in St. Paul. Right. That's correct. Mm -hmm. In fact, the St. Paul Police Department is now the lead agency in investigating those deaths. They were found by a farmer inside an abandoned black Mercedes SUV in a cornfield on September 12th, just outside the town of Sheridan. Uh, St. Paul Police have arrested 56-year-old Darren McWright of St. Paul. He's being held in the Ramsey County Jail on several outstanding warrants. And on Friday, his son, Antoine D. Suggs of Scottsdale, Arizona, turned himself into Gilbert, Arizona Police. He remains jailed in Arizona awaiting extradition. Police say they still don't know why the killings happened. Uh, One more crime story. A nail salon in the uptown neighborhood of Minneapolis had its windows shattered by gunfire during a violent night for the city over the weekend. At least five windows at Little Luxury's nail lounge were hit by gunfire Saturday night in a shooting that hurt two people. That shooting was one of seven in about a 26-hour span that resulted in 11 people getting hurt too critically. Amy Vang's security camera captured the moment multiple shots were fired outside the salon. She hopes the community can come together to improve safety because she says she does not want to relocate. According to the city of Minneapolis's website, the number of gunshot wounds through September 20th has increased for the last three years. Uh, Get this, in 2018, 184 people were wounded already this year. Over 300 than that, 488 have been wounded in shootings. we got a behavior problem. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, the part uh, back to the, uh, the, the the four people that were found in Wisconsin, Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't know that the, the second suspect turned himself in. I mm-hmm. assumed he was at pre- So does this mean, had he not done so, he'd still be on the... Apparently. Wow, could I, be, yeah. I did not know he had turned himself in. Yeah. Uh, Reports of COVID-19 cases have grown rapidly in Minnesota schools from about 150 cases a day the first week of September to several hundred per day. Last week, according to Chris Arisman, Infectious Disease Director with the Department of Health, every single day they saw between 400 and 600 cases reported. And today they're looking at the reports coming in and think they may have more than 600 coming in. Across Minnesota, 26 schools are reporting five or more confirmed cases of COVID-19 in students or staff. You know what this means. Hmm. We're shutting schools down. Hope not. Uh, there, Yeah, there, part of that story was, and I didn't grab it, uh, some of the parents uh, would hope either the schools would open or they'd have some way to teach the kids uh, at home, which several, uh, apparently some school districts are doing that, but, but a lot aren't. No. So it doesn't work. No. Distance Transfer- learning does not work. 
Sorry. Don't tell that to my kid, okay? Transportation. <laughs> <laughs> Transportation has been an issue for many schools since the outbreak of COVID-19. That's also now affecting sporting events. Lack of available school bus drivers has been well documented in local and national news reports. The issue is even more pronounced in after-school events. Often bus schedules are mere suggestions as cancellations are frequent. And if that's not enough of a problem, they also need officials and referees. There's not enough of those. Official organizers have requested that football programs reschedule at least one game to a non-traditional day to alleviate the glut of requests for officials on Fridays. You know, I'm glad you brought this up, John. Joe, um, when Biden was talking about his infrastructure plan, one of the big selling points is the the thousands, if not millions of jobs that this is going to create, right? Mm -hmm. That's been his big selling point from, from that standpoint. We already have enough jobs Everyone's looking for help already. Right. Why Why? Why is the selling point we're creating more jobs? There's already too many jobs and not enough workers as it is. I, I can't help you. Okay. Thought I'd throw that in there. Meanwhile, I'm looking John. at the market here. Oh, okay. <laughs> See what she's doing. She's up 50 points. Well, if you just stick around, you'll get the full report from Mr. Money Talk. Oh, gosh, the show. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Johnson & Johnson released data showing that a booster dose to its one-shot coronavirus vaccine provides a strong immune response months after people get the first dose. J&J said in a statement Tuesday morning it ran two early studies in people previously given its vaccine and found that a second dose produced an increased antibody response in adults ages 18 to 55. J&J said it's now in talks with regulators, including the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, European Medicines Agency, and others regarding using booster doses of its vaccine. An unusual occurrence in Russia, deep shock in a day of mourning in the city of Perm, which is about 800 miles east of Moscow after a gunman killed six people and wounded 24 others at a local university. The attacker was a first-year student named locally as Timur Bekmansarov, and most of his victims were fellow students. Police say the gun he used was legally bought by him in May and that he had a permit valid until 2026. He's been described as consumed by hatred of others by friends, uh, he posted on social media before his account was taken down. I've thought about this for a long time. It's been yours, and I realize the time has come to do what I've been dreaming of. Well, you got to have goals. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, by the way, was wounded and is in custody. A former campaign staffer for U.S. Senator Rand Paul and lead Republican Mitch McConnell has been charged with channeling money from Russia into the 2016 presidential election, according to the U.S. Department of Justice. In an unsealed indictment dated September 9th, prosecutors say Jesse Benton conspired to illegally funnel thousands of dollars of foreign money from a Russian foreign national into the Republican campaign. In October 2016, Benton received a $100,000 wire transfer from the unnamed Russian national, promising him that he would get to meet a celebrity at a fundraiser in Philadelphia on September 22, 2016. Prosecutors do not name the candidate, but former President Trump was hosting a fundraiser that night at the Ritz-Carlton in Philadelphia. About the same time, Benton, who managed Rand Paul's 2010 run for office, as well as the 2014 campaign of Mitch McConnell, was convicted of campaign finance fraud over his role in the 2012 Ron Paul presidential campaign. He was sentenced days before the Philadelphia fundraiser to two years probation and had to pay a $10,000 fine. Before he left office, Trump pardoned Benton for that crime. Dun, dun, dun. Canadians get a prime minister. That's never going away. That story's never going oh, away. Oh, it's it? never going away. No, no, never going away. 
Canadians gave Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's party a victory in Monday's parliamentary elections, but his gamble to win a majority of seats failed and nearly mirrored the results of two years ago. Liberals winning the most seats of any party. Trudeau's Liberal Party is leading or elected in 156 seats, one less than they won in 2019, and 14 short of the 170 needed for a majority in the House of Commons. A man with a history of pretending to be a law enforcement officer arrested in Minnesota after a TikTok user alerted a woman he was dating that he was faking being an officer again. Oh, no. Authorities, authorities said in a complaint filed Friday that 52-year-old Rael Devon Simmons of Dodge Center used the name Ray Reeves and regularly held himself out as a federal agent on no social relation. media. No relation. Your name's not Reeves. <laughs> That's your nickname, Chris. Right. No, his Simmons nickname is Pie Hole. <laughs> Simmons' profile photo on TikTok showed him wearing law enforcement gear. He made several posts displaying police equipment, badges, and firearms, and referred explicitly and implicitly to himself as a federal agent. Wait a minute, yes, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't that a felony? Yes. Yeah, I think that's what he was charged with, wasn't it? Right, but if this is the fourth time he's done it, why is he out? We don't keep people in jail. That's true. <laughs> that's un-American. I gotta, I gotta, I'm going to look that up. And the you're not going to sit here and insult the United States of America. <laughs> the woman who dated Simmons for about eight months eventually went to the FBI after a TikTok user posted about Simmons impersonating a police officer again. Later shared information with her about his true identity and previous arrests. Simmons had been charged with two counts of impersonating an officer in Colorado, both back in 2004. Uh, now, to make all this even more interesting, uh, the girlfriend, of course, was a TikTok uh, pal, while federal authorities also discovered that Simmons has been married to somebody else since 2015. Oh! Working as a temporary employee at Shutterfly in a Minneapolis suburb. Depending on state law, impersonating a police officer may be considered either a felony or a misdemeanor. Punishments for impersonating a police officer include imprisonment up to five years, in some states even oh. more, fines that are usually $1,000 or more. I want it to well, be a felony every time. Yep. Yeah. And this was back in 2005, so maybe he did serve some time, and but not much if he did. Well, he's got the uh, job at Shutterfly. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, listen, I don't care what you guys say. I love board games. Always have. The old-fashioned ones. Mm -hmm. And the inventor of one of my favorites has died. Reuben Clammer, an inventor who dreamed up the game of life. Mm. And many other toys and games that entertained young baby boomers died on September 14th at his home in uh, La Jolla, who almost said La Jolla, like mm -hmm. Bob Davis, La Jolla, California. <laughs> I can't rip you for that, John. I, I like the game Life, too. That was a good oh, one. Oh, I love it. I yeah. bet Don Samuels knew this guy. Probably. He was 99 years old. His creations included his own version of the hula hoop and a variation on the erector set. He came up with a Pink Panther show car built on an Oldsmobile chassis and rode around in it to promote the Pink Panther cartoon series. He also worked closely with TV producers and built props for popular shows, including the Starfleet Phaser Rifle, which could stun or disintegrate living creatures for the original Star Trek series. He said he had an agreement for the toy rights to the rifle, but it fell apart, so it was never produced. He did make the special Napoleon solo gun for the man from UNCLE that was very popular. The game of life, introduced in 1960, reflected the values of the booming suburban culture. Uh, game of Life has sold more than 70 million copies in 59 countries, has been the best-selling board game in Japan for more than 50 years. In the United States, it was number two to only Monopoly, 
As times changed, so did the game, with players encountering midlife crises <laughs> and being rewarded for good deeds like recycling the trash and helping homeless people. According to Hasbro President George Birch, Rubin was very receptive to those changes. In fact, he was often the impetus for them because he was a good business. No you. wonder he lived in La Jolla. He had a few bucks. You and Roycey should develop the board game Flaws. Flaws. In honor of this guy. Yeah. Spin the wheel. Oh, you're in trouble again. Yeah. Uh, one other death, George Holiday, the Los Angeles plumber who shot that grainy video of four white police officers beating oh, Rodney yeah. King in 1991, has died of complications from COVID-19. Holiday was 61 years old. He died Sunday at L.A. Hospital, where he had been for more than a month. Uh, Holiday was awakened by a traffic stop outside his San Fernando Valley home on the night of March 3rd, 1991. He went outside to film it with his new video camera, catching the L.A. officers punching, kicking, and using a stun gun on King, even after he was on the ground. A year later, Holiday's out-of-focus footage, about nine minutes worth, was a key piece of evidence at the four officers' criminal trial. When a jury acquitted all the officers on April 29th, the city erupted in widespread violence. Hundreds of businesses looted and destroyed over several days. The uprising seemed to catch the rest of the nation by surprise, but longtime residents said tensions had been building in South L.A. for years, and the King verdict was just the tipping point. Eventually, King sued Los Angeles over the beating, was awarded $3.8 million in 1994, but he told the AP in 2012 he lost most of that money in bad investments. King drowned in his backyard swimming pool June 17, 2012, at the age of 47. Uh, this is very strange, and in a way, I'm kind of glad Kenny's not here because I, I don't know what he would say about this. University of Glasgow scientists have created a hologram system that uses jets of air known as aerofactics, to replicate the sensation of touch, according to Ravinder Dahaya, a researcher who worked on the project. He said that air jets can now allow you to feel people's fingers, hands, wrists. The team published a report of their findings in Advanced Intelligent Systems. In time, this could lead to uh, be developed to allow you to meet a virtual avatar of a colleague on the other side of the world no, and no. feel their handshake. Dahi <laughs> and his team tested this all with an interactive projection of a basketball, which he said can be convincingly touched, rolled, and bounced. Why he not he just hopes, go get a basketball? Why not cure the common cold, you morons? <laughs> Dahia has hopes it could eventually be used to create some pretty amazing video game experiences as well as help doctors better treat patients no matter where they are on the earth. Huh. Okay, I'll go with that one. A uh, strange story from Mississippi. According to Copaya County Sheriff Brian Swilly, a body found inside of a vehicle in Copaya County. Swilly said a man drove the vehicle from Byram to Copaya County about 30 miles, but then realized... There was a body inside the trunk. Uh, how did he get the car, you're wondering? How did he get the car, John? Thank you, Chris. Coroner Ellis Stewart said two men found the car in Byram. It was parked, and it had a big sign on it that said, free car, and the key was inside. <laughs> See, that's a tip-off. Right. <laughs> Hold up. Hold up. Wait, Wait a minute. minute. Something, Something ain't right. Ain't right. Nobody's giving away a car. In this day and age when you can't even find one. You can find them at Schmel's Countryside. You can. You can find cars at Schmel's Countryside. No bodies inside Volkswagen, either. Volkswagen. <laughs> no. They show you the trunk before you leave. That's right. Fiat's, Volkswagens, and Alfa Romeos at Schmel's Countryside, that multi-generational dealership right on the southeast quadrant of Highway 36 and 61 in Maplewood. Inventory is important, but so is this. 
0% for up to 36 months on all new Volkswagen vehicles, including the Taos, but accepting the ID4. Uh, 0% for 72 months on Fiat's. 0% for f- up to 48 months on Alfa Romeo models. I've told you this many times. I've driven all three of these, continue to, and will continue to. I own two now. I uh, enjoy these people. I've been shopping there for ages, and even extended members of the GarageLogic family have now got uh, Volkswagens that I got at Schmelz Countryside in Maplewood. Check out the inventory at SchmelzVW.com, SchmelzFiat.com, and SchmelzAlfaRomeo.com, Johnny. The uh, end of that story is uh, it was the fella's car, the fella who was in the trunk, and police are stumped as (laughs) to how all this happened, so... So they just, uh, thought, it, they just thought they were getting the goods. Was it a nice oh, car? Yeah. Do we know what kind of we, car it was? It, we don't, and I did try to look at that oh, okay. because I had the same question. Reporting isn't what it used to be. Yeah. That reporter it, who wrote that story was not curious enough to include the type of automobile. That's that was almost my first thought because I thought if you find a car on the side of the road that's something new, would you take it if it just said free car? No. Anyway, in Louisiana, a Walmart worker quit in a profanity-laced tirade over the store's loudspeakers. Beth McGrath's posted the video of her resignation on Facebook. As she said, attention Walmart shoppers and associates. My name is Beth from Electronics. I've been working at Walmart for almost five years, and I can say everyone here is overworked and underpaid. She posted a video of the stunt and said the attendance policy is all of this over the microphone still. The attendance policy is BS. Only she didn't use BS. She used the full expression. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I said, we're treated from management and customers poorly every day. Whenever we have a problem with it, we're told by managers that we're replaceable. She went on to say, I'm tired of the constant gaslighting. This company treats their elderly associates like bleep. To Jared, our store manager, you're a pervert. Greta and Kathy, shame on y'all for treating our associates the way you do. (laughs) I hope you don't speak to your families the way you speak to us. She ended the one minute, 11 second video with bleep management and bleep this job. I quit. Take this job and shove it. Wow. (laughs) Thousands of people have responded to her post. McGrath posted a follow-up video thanking everyone, saying I never intended for the video to blow up. It's been an emotional roller coaster for me. I'm at a loss for words. I didn't record this video for clout. I recorded the video for my fellow coworkers to let them know that I do love them and I do want what's best for them. I wanted to be their voice, and I wanted to be my voice. I don't doubt the validity of her situation, but might this hurt her future endeavors of employment? Could harm her. How about a minute 11? She went on, be, uh, did no manager go, hmm, maybe I should go and stop this. Or maybe I should pull the plug. <laughs> yeah, cut the mic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they do that to Biden all the time when he starts, um, well, see, I had to go there, didn't I? Mm-hmm. A 1957 Ford Thunderbird that was originally owned by legendary Mouseketeer Annette Funicello has been auctioned for a high $150,000. The two-seat convertible was Funicello's first car, bought for her when she was just 16. She drove it for a decade before she gave it to her younger brother. It was later sold out of the family, fell into disrepair before being purchased by an unsuspecting buyer in 2003 who discovered the history of the car while putting it through a restoration. The car was originally white, but Funicello had it repainted purple. The color changed 
Yeah, it's changed several times since before the latest red coat was applied. It also features the new interior, but it was sold with many of its original parts, including the seats and the AM radio. The price paid was four to five times higher than a similar example without a Hollywood connection is worth today and closer to what all original show quality Thunderbirds sell for. The folks who sold it say they're not sure why it went so high, possibly only the connection to Funicello. Uh, here's why you should maybe never date a fellow legislator. A Michigan lawmaker told another lawmaker that he hoped, quote, her car explodes on the way in, according to text messages filed in court to support a request for a personal protection order. It wasn't Jewel Jones, was it? No, no. <laughs> Representative Steve Marino told Representative Marie Manugian, you're truly the worst human being I've ever met. I mean that with the utmost sincerity. You're just a parasite. Marino's a Macomb County Republican, and Manhuigan, an Oakland County Democrat, had a personal relationship that ended more than a year ago. Manhuigan, Manhuigan, obtained a protection order last week from a judge a few days after Marino was removed from House committees for alleged abuse. State police are investigating the whole situation. A lot of bad people in office, isn't there, Joe? Well, you you can run into some uh, some. Well, we have John Thompson, we got Jewel Jones, we got. Uh, there's no shortage of this. Right. we got right. plenty. Johnny, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, we have a great ruling coming up, a garage oh, ruling, good. the new one. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. Hey, GLers. We are excited to welcome a new partner to the Garage Logic podcast. It's St. Paul's own Mosaica Hard Surface. They specialize in the sourcing, supply, and installation of hard surface based materials, you know, such as granite, marble, and quartz for your kitchen, bath, fireplace, bar, outdoor kitchen, anywhere you dream up. They can get it done, done right, and also done under budget. These are the best skilled neighbors that you never knew you had. Corey and Jay are diehard GLers, and they are the owners of Mosaica Hard Surface. There's a lot of people out there doing this, but these guys are the absolute best. They've been around for 20 years. They only use the best materials. They also custom cut everything in their state-of-the-art facility, and they install everything themselves. Not everybody does that. They want every aspect of your project to be perfect. Corny's team want to work with you. Give them a call right now, 651-242-0894. You can call Corey directly with that number. Or you can also stop by their new showroom on Marshall Avenue in St. Paul. Uh, say hi. Or just go online to their website, which is mosaicahardsurface.com. That's M-O-S-A-I-C-A hardsurface.com. And tell them GL sent you. I meant to ask you this before. This is entirely my fault, Reavers. Yes, sir. How hard is it to access the uh, call from Patrick stuck in the car wash? Oh, give me one second. Well, I'll, I'll tell you why. I, you'll know why as I read this email from uh, from uh, Jason. Absolutely love the show, and I used to listen to it all the time in Fargo back in the day. I found the podcast about three months ago and have been really enjoying it. My wife and I often listen to it together. I was telling her the funniest 10 minutes of radio I had ever heard was the time when Patrick called from a car wash. Can you tell me if there's any way for me to find that audio and share it with her? Thanks again. Just love the show. Jason pushing back from Barnesville, Minnesota. Here's Patrick Royce. 
To line McCarver with the steal. Off to the races against Walker. Drive, lays it up. And in! Shielded Walker with the arm. Goes up and scores off the steal. The car walk, She's got 26. <laughs> and again, Coach Sherman wants to call timeout. <laughs> and tonight, Chanel McCarver putting on a show. A Gopher women's basketball highlight right off FM 107. Holy cow! Why? I'm in a car wash, Joe. <laughs> Having his time. Why in him. God's name would you get your car washed right now? We got issues. What happened? <laughs> we got issues. Uh. <laughs> we got issues. Well, what? I was supposed to back out. Would you hit a car? I got my door here. <laughs> Trying to back out. We got issues. Uh, <laughs> is that you honking? No, those are other people. Honking. Are you stuck in the car wash? I'm stuck in the car wash. <laughs> oh we had a story earlier this week. I'll tell you how this comes out tomorrow. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Was that it? What in God? No, name that wasn't was uh, that? the full one. Includes the uh, it makes car wash no rescue team that races to the scene whatsoever. Oh, that's okay. Was that's that okay. a uh, was that a, a PSA that we might have put together? The no. following conversation is real. No, it took no, not that one. No, no, no. Never mind. Never mind. Huh. A great garage ruling has been requested. Oh, that's the song "Car Wash" by Steve Wilson uh, uh, up in Aiken. <laughs> Recently on your podcast, there was quite a bit of discussion about garage wood. Coming from the lumber business, no one appreciates garage wood more than me. However, I think there is somebody feeling quite lonely. Garage rope. After pouring cocktails up at the moon dance this weekend, I got to spend some time with a fellow GLer named Paul. We both agreed that garage rope is overlooked and is a very special place in this world. Might we need a ruling? You're having it right now. You are absolutely correct. Garage rope is an important tool in the garage. At what point do you throw away garage rope? How short does it need to be? We both have segments shorter than 24 inches that we still find use for. Heck, Paul has a special drawer assigned to garage rope. I have a hook assigned to it. I have garage hmm. rope. Okay. Uh, whether it's holding up a PTO shaft on a rear implement for a tractor holding Kenny's tailgate, gate shut on his old beater pickup or using it as a tourniquet ropes of all lengths seem to have a use always pushing back steve and julie wilson uh that is fantastic the uh the uh, need for garage rope is like the need for garage wood you never know when you're gonna need a hunk of rope when was the last time you used garage rope <laughs> Well, at, at the risk of great mockery, which we will provide, yeah, I tied. A, I have a I had a good long piece of garage rope that I tied to a, a little kid's battery operated vehicle because the, the she was about three and she wanted to drive it. She, oh, so you wanted to? So I oh, walked behind her with sure. the rope. Yep. And then when she started to crash into a tree or something, I'd let her get pretty close to the tree, but then I'd stop it with the rope. Sure. And then I had to walk around and follow her because she couldn't turn it and was always. Uh, turning in the wrong direction, but there's a perfect example of garage rope. Okay, I that's a good have, reason. I had to have a yeah, piece of garage good, rope. It was a protective device that you that you or you turned it into a protective device. You never know what you'll need a piece of rope for. 
You'll never know. That's right. It never would have dawned on me that there would be a day in my life when I had to tie a piece of rope to a little yard vehicle, electric yard vehicle. (laughs) Without getting too heavy here, but wasn't that the source of great controversy in NASCAR? Remember the the oh there was a noose. Well, they thought it was, well, but it wasn't it, a noose. It turned out it was, it was just holding the, the handle. door, the handle to the garage door. Would yeah. that have been considered garage rope? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And legitimately so. P.S. Uh, Steve writes. Not sure if there's such a thing as a flashlight queen, but Kofi Monsko certainly shed some light on CRT to the Roseville School Board. You should have her on the show. We we are reaching out to her. We have. She summed up in three minutes what we've all been trying to put our thumbs on for years. She defied. She defined the soft bigotry of low expectations to a T. Amen, Kofi or Coffee, Steve Wilson. I we're. She already has our message. Mm-hmm. She already has our message. On a couple of platforms. I think that's a fantastic reminder. You are so right. You need garage wood. You need garage iron, and you need garage rope. Okay. What is your garage iron? What is it? Is a it an prop, anvil? A big brass prop shaft after an old Chris Craft. Okay. Off an old Chris Craft. Gotcha. Uh, uh, for example, that might come in useful someday as some sort of pry bar. You see, you go like this. Pry bar. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Did, did John see me do that on the TV? <laughs> I did. Yeah. yeah I am. Now I know how to use a pry bar. Thanks. Only because Only. they come to us all the way. From where? Marloth Park in Mumpuma, Longa, South Africa, from the Traveling Lymans. It was on this day in 1805, Lieutenant Zebulon M. Pike reached the mouth of the Minnesota Wakpa, the Minnesota River, stopped at Wetatonka, later called Pike Island, and raised the stars and stripes inside present-day Minnesota for the first time. Wow. And it was on this day in 1836 that fur trader Alexander Fairbowl contracts with Mason Michael Lelaire to build a house in Mendota. Really? Yeah, we didn't have much going on on September 21st in this state, did we, over the years? I'm trying to look at where that island is you speak of. I've Pike never... Island? Yeah. What's well, right in the right down? You can get there. It's right there. It's right <laughs> below the hill. Is it part of Fort Snelling? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Say uh, Red Savoy has added adult mac and cheese to the menu. We've had it here in the studio. It's incredible. It's really good. This isn't that orange junk that you used to have to eat because mom you know what was it's really good for. By the way, hmm. if you have, for instance, my youngest is the world's pickiest eater, and a lot of people have kids that are picky eaters. Yeah, this is perfect for picky eating kids. It's fantastic. Even though it's called adult mac and cheese. Don't care. I fed it right to my boys. They loved it. It's chicken bacon mac and regular mac and cheese. Uh, They're baked like a hot dish. They have uh, Parmesan, mozzarella, and cheddar, and just the right amount of Alfredo sauce to send you into a comfort food coma. It's absolutely the same. You'll never think of macaroni and cheese the same way again. And don't forget the pizzas, which are fantastic. And in each pizza box, you'll get a pull tab. And when you... uh, you can win stuff. Pull the pull tab open, and you could get uh, free pizza, pasta, wings, salads, cookies, pop, as well as money off your next purchase, and even win the grand prize, free pizza for a year. This is the original Red Savoy Pizza, founded uh, over on 7th Street in St. Paul years and years and years ago, and it lives on. It's soda style, Minnesota style. It's cut in squares, right? Mm-hmm. Cut in squares. That's mm-hmm. the way it's supposed to be. In addition, now... There is adult mac and cheese. Red Savoy. You can go to the app. You can go to the app and download all kinds of neat stuff. Downloads Red Savoy app or visit SavoyPizza.com. Thanks, GLers. Yeah. 
Uh, by the way, as long as you're online, head on over to the Garage Logic YouTube page and join the thousands of GLers and subscribe to the Garage Logic YouTube channel where we are posting daily videos, some during the show, and sometimes we feature things that happen when we're not recording the Garage Logic podcast. Will you try again? Recontact Coffee Coffee Monsco. I certainly will. Yes. You want that done right now. Well, I'm a bad waiter. I know you are. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> while you're at it, uh, please do us a favor and download the PodMN app where you get daily updates on the Garage Logic podcast when it instantly becomes available. You also have the chance to win fantastic prizes. We'll catch you tomorrow. It is that time once again here in Garage Logic where we pick up that phone and we make that call to our guy, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. That's exactly what you should do today for that free 48-minute financial consultation. And you do that by calling 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. You call that number and you get Josh. And you also get straight talk. You never get sugar-coated advice. And Josh is with us right now. Josh, you were right and you told us so. Chris, how do you like that? I did say prepare for a lot of volatility this week, particularly after a big options expiration last Friday. Yesterday, plenty of volatility. People resold stocks, reset themselves for the next quarter and the next month with the stocks and option activity. Big witching that took place last Friday created this extra volatility with the expiration of all options and futures that happens four times a year so one more to go and plenty of volatility continued worries with the market with covid and the vaccine as well as what the fed is going to do with interest rates and when they're going to stop their bond buying the fed meets both today tuesday and tomorrow wednesday and makes their announcements after conclusion of their meeting on wednesday do be prepared for the Fed, not to say too much, but to indicate that they're going to continue following the pathway slowly telegraph when they're going to start the taper. I believe that the Fed will delay doing any of their taper until November, even into December. I do believe that short-term interest rates will remain low for the foreseeable future. I am very strong in saying regardless of what the Fed does, I would be focusing faster-growing companies forward, companies that are able to grow their sales, grow their earnings over a period of time. To me, that still remains the large capitalization technology companies led by favorites, Apple, Amazon. We can put in Microsoft. We'll even throw in Google and Facebook with that, although I do prefer the three former companies over the two latter companies. I would continue focusing in on still on companies that utilize technology you know, going forward and still maintain the asset allocation mix that I have talk for years about keeping up to 30% in cash, 
the balance invested in growth names with a focus on companies involved in the internet, leisure, China-related businesses, real assets such as real estate. As to China-specific companies, those I would avoid, but would look at U.S.-based companies that do a lot of business in China, which would, again, fall on companies like Apple. And leisure, big deal happening today with DraftKings offering to buy Ladbrook in England for $20 million in stock. This has pushed DraftKings down, Ladbrook up. Should this deal go through, it definitely be very accretive to DraftKings. Stick with the leisure names as well. Very good. Once again, Mr. Money Talk, GLers, pick up that phone, make that call, and book that 48-minute financial consultation today by calling 952-925-5608. Straight talk, never sugar-coated advice. Josh, as always, thank you so much again for the time and the chat. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.